Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Discover New Music podcast from us at Full Pelt Music. Shortly, we'll be joined by Ed Barnes to talk about his single, Criticise the Poor, which we've featured recently over on our Discover New Music playlist on Spotify. But before then, the usual reminders from myself, if you would, please do follow us on social media. We are on Facebook at Full Pelt and on Twitter and Instagram at Full Pelt Music. And of course, if you would, please do hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, wherever you're watching or listening. Well, welcome Ed Barnes to the Discover New Music podcast. Um, absolutely delighted to have you on. Really enjoyed uh, Criticise the Poor, your single, which we've just featured over on our playlist. Um, so yeah, yeah, looking forward to chatting with you. How are you today? I'm good, man. Yeah, as we spoke before, it's night time. So yeah. it's, quite, it's quite a really nice way to end a Sunday. Like it's just a do this so yeah i'm stoked i'm great man yeah Thanks for having me. oh absolute pleasure absolute pleasure so i really enjoyed the single uh and we'll talk about that in just a moment but um regular listeners will know we always start off with the same um portion of the podcast is what we call the origin story so of course yeah. you know quite often bands will tell me about how they all met but of course you know you you are solo um so yeah. you know how, how did you come to the position you are now putting out music um you know what what is your origin story to get you to this oh, point? Myself. yeah yeah so i started off um when i was a teenager um played in like punk rock bands and so we pretty much were just like we're called something like delivered leftovers or something one of those really long teenage band names <laughs> and we pretty much just played in parties and stuff and we just Half the set would be some scrappy originals that we'd written together, and then half the set would pretty much be Black Flag covers. So <laughs> super. There was that, and then when I was seventeen years old, um, I had the opportunity to join this um, kind of power pop punk band on bass guitar, and it was like I had a quite a tough time in high school. So it was at the. I think you guys call it O levels, but we have the HSC. Is that right? It's like the final school exam. And we had, um, it was towards those last weeks, we got an email from a band asking if I could join because they just heard my band. And luckily I did. And then on the week I finished my last HSC exam, I had my first gig, which was supporting a band called Radio Birdman, um, who I'm not sure if they're, they're legendary in Australia in terms mm. of, Australian punk rock um and they were that was at a Manning the Manning bar in Sydney which is like a large venue too so it was my first proper gig and I'd only turned 17 two weeks uh, sorry 18 like two weeks before so it was the first time I actually also stepped into a venue like that as well and it was just mind-blowing and sick like and um then after that we kind of throughout the years about I was with that group for about five years and we just did constant Australian touring like and um we developed quite a resume like we got to play with um flogging molly um beans on toast your mate I know um, <laughs> um Marky Ramones CJ Ramones Stiff Little Fingers the Ruts Ruts DC now um even Glenn Matlock, like there was like, yeah. it was just a constant, like we, we were pretty much the like kind of classic sounding punk rock band, you know, like our collectively our favorite band was the Ramones by far. Yeah. And we definitely, it was definitely obvious. <laughs> um, but I just got to a point where I was kind of like, 
it wasn't doing it for me much anymore personally, even though that music I still love so dearly. But I was super personally into my, like, Billy Bragg. Um, I don't know if you know I'm over there, but Paul Kelly, he's a bit of an Australian kind of punky poet sort of guy. Um, well, Frank Turner and stuff. And then yeah. I thought, and it was actually after seeing Beans on Toast, because we played with him at with that Flogging Molly at that show together. And it was like, God, I can do this, you know, because I had all these songs written and stuff. And yeah, and now it's been about three years since I played my first solo gig. Actually, three years in a few weeks, in about two weeks' time. And I've recorded an album. Um, I played with Grace Petrie. Yeah. She, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's yeah. a legend. She's amazing. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that was my second gig a few years ago. And it was right before COVID happened. Like, like it was like, played with Grace Petrie. The next day, she's on an emergency flight back to Heathrow. And all my gigs and tours that were booked for that year have just been cancelled. Like, yeah. <laughs> so I recorded an album in that time. And... Now I'm ready to kind of, I've started trickling it out. I've released two singles thus far. Um, I'm releasing another one in February, on the February 17th. And yeah, hopefully album in September. I'll drop the album then. Yeah. yeah if, I, I forget that I'm a bit of a, under my name, I'm a bit of a separate entity, like of just releasing two singles. Of course. Singles. But because uh, I'm a bit like, what do you mean? I've been around for years, but <laughs> I forget that constantly. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an interesting topic, actually, because in these in this day and age, you know, streaming figures and social media numbers and all this be have become all too important, really. Um, and I was uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had uh, a gentleman called Ryan Ryan Hamilton from America um, on on the podcast. So his. Uh, played in a number of bands um over the years uh and then once he uh, sort of went out solo he, he had the idea of having a different band name for each album so ryan hamilton and the traitors ryan hamilton and the harlequin ghost and he said it was only recently really when he realized that hang on a moment like all of my figures that you know everyone monitors these days are spread out across all these projects and it makes me look yeah. like i'm a new artist when actually i've been yeah. around for like you know 15 plus years so i guess yeah, yeah. that's something you're kind of coming up against as well yeah yeah totally um even though i only played bass in that kind of band this is my first yeah. time kind of in front of it i can definitely like see that being an issue it'd be like neil young and crazy horse or yeah like the amount of things neil young's been in versus promise of the real you know he's got yeah. so much i think there's a way you can actually edit that to put them in there but yeah it is i think you're right too it is a bit too important to kind of compare what am I saying? I think Spotify figures versus yeah. what's actually happening when you play, you know. Exactly. Hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And the number of people that turn up to the to your shows for me is always the biggest kind of metric of, of how you're doing rather than anything like that. Um but yeah, so obviously Criticize the Poor uh is, is gonna be on on the album when it comes out. Um yeah. and obviously that's the track we've just featured over on our Discover New Music playlist. Um yeah. so what can you tell us uh, about that track? Um you know, obviously um some important subjects touched upon, but also obviously just a, a really, really um awesome sort of you know punk folk track um so you know how did that song come together for you um well luckily he's out of office now but we had um similar he's a bit we had 
it's like a Boris Johnson of us. Yeah. Um, Scott Morrison, he was a the Liberal Party in Australia. It's funny when I say this because I know people say Liberal, they think left wing, but the Liberals are the, are the Tories here. Yeah. And, um, oh, God, he, he would just say so much useless crap. Um, he There's some lyrics in there where I just straight up quote him, like, have a go to get a go. You know, where if he would be talking about, let's say, renters can't afford rents now in Sydney, he'd just be like, well, you've got to have a go to get a go. Like, you know, he wouldn't actually listen to any problems. And he was uh, pretty much, he, was, he ran the most corrupt government in modern Australia history. And um, it was kind of just during COVID and such, like the, the classism that he showed was just mm. super, super obvious. And he was protected by... Um, the Murdoch media super hard. That was another thing. Um, so it became on kind of one of those things. Um, it was kind of interesting because the first time I wrote those lyrics where it says criticise the poor and follow Murdoch's law, follow Dutton's law. I just list Australian politicians and media modules pretty much. I, the first time I wrote it was actually all Thatcher's law <laughs> every single time. Um, and then, but then my friend, who's not really into his politics, was like, oh, I thought that was like a physics thing, like Newton's law. Like, so, I was like, oh, shit, for God's sake. so I made it a bit more obvious for Australians yeah. to pick up what I'm talking about um, with that sort of part. Um, it's actually also based on, um, I borrowed some of the phrasing off um, Which Side Are You On by Billy Bragg and... Um, well, I think Pete Seeger wrote the original one, but yeah, um, I kind of took that sort of thing because it's like, it's almost a bit of a union song, but it's also just a bit of a, you know, um, um, anti-government song yeah. sort of thing. But yeah, um, that's where that kind of came from. Um, it wasn't initially going to be my first single. In fact, I wanted the album to be dropped by then, but it was just kind of like, that election is due in May. <laughs> I'm at least criticise the poor with it after that, especially if he loses. That means just for yeah. I went in off and I went in, um, I quickly scrambled everything together to get that out. Um, and let's say with the music video, um, that was another quote of him. Um, I don't know if you heard about this in the UK, but he, Australia has quite a bad bushfire season yeah. at times. Like it just, the crops go, everything's gone. Often people lose houses and people die. But Scott Morrison was in Hawaii during it and he lied about it to the press. Yes. Like, media advisors said that he wasn't there. And then then he legitimately posed for a photo on Waikiki Beach. Like <laughs> the guy. So and then when he, he was on the radio and um this is when he said famously on the radio it's like look mate i don't hold a hose i don't know what you expect me to do so i went around i actually got some still here but um and made these core flutes because i knew the yeah. election was enough and i went up and just kind of stuck them around sydney with vote one advance and i actually had like an independent candidate kind of like start following me on twitter and stuff like that <laughs> around and i think uh, i think there's a lot of confusion between local politicians about who is this guy but yeah, that's pretty much that. I'm glad 
the song's still relevant because like when I kind of come to the UK, I plan on changing the, some of the lyrics and such, you know. Yeah. You got Knack still there and so on. Like Murdoch's still there. Unfortunately, like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of glad that it's become timeless even though it's quite about a specific person at the time, you know. But Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it has. And, and uh, you know, it crosses borders as well because, you know, obviously the link is obvious to, to us over in this country with the Tories. But, mm. you know, sadly, you know, in so many countries across the world now, you know, we're, we're finding, um, you yeah. know, similar situations. Uh, and obviously, you know, it, it's I think it's a relevant song that, you know, listeners um, will be able to relate to quite easily um, mm. for, for wherever they live, really. Um, and, yeah. I've I've discussed with a number of artists recently, um, and um, yeah, obviously excluding the kind of artists you've toured with and obviously mentioned already, because there are some artists out there that are obviously uh, doing the good work and obviously uh, mixing yeah. politics with 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 music, which is kind of a faux pas these days. Um, yeah. So yeah, I just wanted to touch on with you as well as I have with some others recently. You know, how important is it to you to be able to use the platform that you have? to discuss such topics because again it feels to me that a lot of that has gone away you know you mentioned a lot of the artists billy Bray, you know yeah not to age them but it's quite a while ago and our newer artists these days are almost afraid to alienate audiences because they're competing for you know such a thin slice of an audience um that they yeah. don't want to alienate them but of course you know um i think politics does belong in music uh, and clearly I'm, I'm i'm guessing you're going to agree with me on that one yeah, I 100% do. And I also think, like, if you do have something to say and it's worth believing in, you should say it. You shouldn't not. Like, how, I don't know how polarizing a topic can, like, I don't understand in art how, how a political position in art can be such a polarizing topic when literally, conservative governments do not fund arts very yeah. often. it's like like they're against you from that angle as well so and so forth so some people just straight up aren't political which i get but i don't think you shouldn't be afraid to say it um i don't know about this politely often with my kind of ramones us punk band um we'd often i try to write pen a political song and they'd be like oh we're not kind of about that, which I kind of get because it's just reminds it's just straight up party rock. But I don't know, I felt like I personally had a bit more to say. And also, all the memorable, a lot of memorable songs are political. Yeah. That being said, I think, like, you know, um, using my platform as a pretty much a straight white male, I'm pretty lucky I can get up there and do it. That's the other part, too. Um, because it's like people just i do have that opportunity to share and kind of do such a thing um when i do without intruding on other people you know reserving for my own space and letting other people have their space too yeah um what was i going to say about that um but i feel like music can still is still very political in other ways like i feel like little mass x for example like I think that person's existence at the moment is political. Let's say yeah. of two minorities, let's say black and homosexual, but still kicking up a storm and selling out stadiums. I think that really, I think that stuff still really says something. 
you know, I feel like, I feel like it's still, I feel like it is everywhere and you shouldn't really shy from it, you know, and you only have to open your eyes to see political things happening. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely, and and it, it reminds me again because we've we've brought up uh, Billy Bragg. You know, I, I was um, talking with uh, a different Billy actually, Billy from the Subways, recently on the on our podcast, and um, we talked about Billy Bragg, and I, I mentioned how I'd seen Billy live recently, and um, literally stood next to an annoying crowd of people talking through the show, which is a pet hate of mine, um, always annoying. Um, but, you know, one of them suddenly pipes up. Why does he have to be so political all the time? Why can't he just play his songs? It's like, well, have you never listened to his songs? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but, yeah. Christ. Yeah. I, I heard someone who said, like, they only like... I just don't know what I can... When he's so political, I only like his love songs. And I was like, well, you need to read a book. Yeah. <laughs> like, you, yeah. Oh, yeah. Again, it's only, and I feel like most music is political. You just need to look at it from a different angle at times. Maybe if it's not explicitly political, there's other things going on there. Yeah, mm. and I think perhaps there is certainly an element of society that just want to be oblivious to to what's going on and want to be oblivious yeah. to what's in the songs because obviously, you know, to be fair, it, it's scary if you actually are in touch with what's going on out there in the real world. So that's probably why they do turn away. But um, you know uh we'll, we'll we'll get away and, and try and well i was gonna say try and talk about some uh <laughs> some more light-hearted subjects but, but actually <laughs> yeah but actually i'm gonna move on to to the pandemic which wasn't light-hearted yeah. in, in any sense yeah. of the word but actually um something that i really loved reading about for, from yourself uh was your awning sessions because of course the pandemic right. yeah the pandemic was obviously horrible for, for everyone obviously you know devastating for for a lot of people um that lost you know loved ones and everything and obviously just a horrible couple of years for the world um but i i do like just to shine a little light where we can on the, the kind of nice yeah. stories that came out of it and, and and i really loved um the concept of what you did with the, with the awning session so you know, how did that concept how did you you know come up with with doing those well luckily we just had a i lived on I don't know if you know much about Sydney, but Newtown, which is like the kind of kind of vibey place for live right. music. And stuff. I'm, I'm luckily I lived above like a shacky shop above there with with my drummer um, at that time. Well, he's still my drummer. I meant living there at the time. Yeah. We just have <laughs> and um, we just um, I just had a had an idea because I had about um, eight shows cancelled for the next month. Um, I was kind of like, it was like my second gig supporting Grace and then it was everything cancelled and I was going to release my first single and everything, um, but it all just kind of got pulled out from underneath me. Luckily, I didn't. Luckily, I went on to record an album and come up come up with a much more planned release now, but um, yeah, but I'm actually kind of thankful for that. Yeah. <laughs> at least it's no one, but um, yeah, so I was in, I was in that mindset and... You know, I know everyone kind of, I still wanted to do something, you know, because everyone was pretty downtrodden and stuff. So I got caught up a friend, Stefan, and he dropped over a PA. I kind of tested it to see if it would stand on this awning. And I was like, it works. We can do this. And I can stand on it. Because we used to sit and drink there, like, maybe at, like, 3 a.m. after a yeah. long night. I just kind of have a relax on there or something like that. Um, 
and we just said, decided Sunday afternoon we'll live stream it and such. It turned out um, the lead singer. It just, I mean, so I'll get back to get to that story later. But it was like just super. It was just super fun. I was actually yeah. really. Scared. I would just piss everyone off on my street, like, <laughs> just, like, you know. But then the balcony, like, I was getting, started getting DMs from all my neighbors and stuff. And then, because you could still have one person over at those times, like, I could see people in the studio apartments across from us, like, having, like, little parties and stuff like that. <laughs> like, and then when I, I remember I, I don't really do covers live, but for that I did. And it was like, I did like a Rolling Stone. I could legit hear the balconies of people singing back the lyrics. Beautiful, yeah. Yeah, and then, then crowds gathered at the bottom and, like, a lot of the neighbours I knew started timing their, you know, one hour a day outside activity to come to that part <laughs> of come down my street and have them watch. It was the, it was the best. It was actually um, some of the most ridiculous fun I've had um, doing that. And it was a it was the lead singer of the DMAs lived across the road from me, so I got the tip. He, I think his wife messaged me with a selfie. I was like, got the tip of the hat from him. I was like, oh, that's nice. sick. Yeah. And they're huge in Australia. I know they're pretty big in the UK. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I was like, that's amazing. I didn't even know he lived there. But um, yeah, that was that was actually some of my favourite gigs in my life, I reckon. Those, those shows, yeah. they, were, they were my favourite. Because like, it's just kind of a bit inventive. I mean, massive Beatles fan, so. Yeah. Take, <laughs> that was like, yeah, this was, that was sick. That was, um, Mm, that that yeah. was heartwarming, and even like you know, I was a bit nervous about cops, but I was a bit like, "What could they do?" But then cops started watching, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually amazing. Mm. Yeah, beautiful thing, and and it does still feel weird, you know, to to talk about beautiful things coming out of the pandemic because it was such a horrible yeah. time. But uh, so many artists that I talked to, you know, it, it presented. Um, opportunity where opportunity didn't exist because they're normally in a touring cycle and a recording cycle and all of a sudden had all this spare time to to get creative and to do yeah. different things and obviously I, I loved the idea of the awning sessions um and, and obviously yeah it was a fantastic thing not just for you but obviously for everyone that could witness it um and obviously brought a bit of light during dark times of course the other thing you touched on was you know for yourself again obviously being able to spend some time and obviously get this album worked on um, yeah. which perhaps you may not have had the opportunity if it wasn't for the pandemic so i mean yeah. you, you've touched on september as a potential release date um obviously what should people that are, are getting into you now through obviously the singles coming out what should they expect from the album as a whole when it does arrive all right so i've i've released some of the punk on it um i released the song all things which was a bit of more of the kind of narrow narrative based lyric lyric writing I do. Um, my next single, I'll just say Love Poem and a Bookmark, which is coming out in February. Um, that's a very lyric-based one. Um, you can expect everything. Like, really, I'm not trying to sound too, like, Viva Rockstar and <laughs> stuff, but um, it's like, it's got about, it's got some punk rock. It's even got a bit of country at the end of it. Like, there's banjos, there's cellos, there's violins. Like we kind of packed it all in. Um, what I'm kind, what it's kind of like is a bit of um, 
there's a bit of Billy Bragg style in there, solo electric guitar. There's a bit of um, just kind of Aussie rock style. And then there is punk rock. So there's kind of a fair bit of everything in there. Um, except with, I was going to say, just kind of narrative-based storytelling. That's pretty yeah. much it. the storytelling. Yeah, well, um, certainly whets the appetite, and listeners um, obviously um, need to check it out when it comes out. So obviously the best way to stay up to date, and we touched on it a little bit earlier, uh, best way to stay up to date with everyone these days is social media. So obviously anyone listening to the podcast that wants to keep up uh, to date with Ed and what he's up to, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, TikTok, I believe as well, all uh, Ed Barnes AU, which makes my life easier. I love when an artist has the yeah. same handle on each one. <laughs> and I only do TikTok because I have to. Uh, same, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I look at that app and it is a sensory overload. Like the second I open it, <laughs> I just see someone dancing or screaming or some crazy prank. I'm like, what is going on? Like, I actually mute my phone before I open that app. <laughs> Oh, I agree fully. Yeah, I, I I feel so old when I go on it because I don't understand it. So oh, I yeah. think it's great, but I just I think it's actually kind of awesome. But I'm like, okay, I'd actually pay some teenager to do this. For yeah, me. <laughs> perhaps yeah. that's what I do need to do. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so um, obviously, yeah, with the album coming, exciting times, and and obviously with that um, normally comes shows, uh, and I know that you know in our previous uh communications with each other you've touched on you know there's some plans afoot to try and get across to the uk so i yeah. mean for, for both listeners that are obviously joining familiar with yourself in australia and obviously listeners in the uk checking you out you know uh, what are your um plans you know when, when might australian and, and uk um fans expect to be able to catch you at a show um so in february i'm doing a quick australian tour um luckily with australian tours i got kind of friends around everywhere so it's just a text message away for each of them um to get those so i'm doing that in which i'm going to adelaide which i haven't done before that's like the thing about the uk versus australia which i've realized in booking a uk tour is the cities are just so far away from each other in australia yeah. when, when i was looking at it um with the uk tour i was like the longest possible journey we could do is manchester to brighton which is yeah. like eight and a half hours but I, we've done way longer than that in australia <laughs> you know it was kind of like my, i was like should we just book that anyway we smartened up and realized that we can do way more things than do the manchester <laughs> um in in the uk um i've luckily got a built an amazing network of people like um um arms and hearts fraser morgan um kdmf like just all these pog like just so many jake martin i just i'm just listing them now <laughs> all these people i've met through emails um and yeah we could we, my first show in the uk is april 6th in colchester um and then we kind of go through to bristol to york to Stourbridge, to i'm just going to try to list them all london city King, kingston um brighton about 12 shows across the country yeah for three weeks but yeah yeah i tried to list them off my head and I actually <laughs> well again listeners um i'm guessing the place to to keep track is uh, across social media uh, and get online and obviously search for ed and, and find a show and hopefully uh come along to it. it would be fantastic so i mean you must be excited at the prospect of coming across the uk oh, yeah exactly yeah um 
I have to say the folk punk thing in Australia is not exactly the biggest thing, but over there, there is just so many amazing bands that I can't yeah. wait to just go meet everyone, just have a chat after every show. Like, I don't know, make some serious friendships over there. Yeah. I haven't been before either. So it's also part of that. I'm still going to have to do like all the Abbey Road and things like yeah. that. <laughs> but yeah, I'm so excited to go over there and play some music. Excellent, excellent. We look forward to to having you for for sure. Um, which uh, so it brings me on to the the final main section of the podcast is something we call set list science. So I uh, am a bit of a geek when it comes to to set lists. Um, so um, I just like to always ask the question here: How much importance do you as an artist put into the structure of your set list, and have you got any rules that you try to follow? Yeah. I do. Um, I kind of open up with a song that people know that I've released. That's not my best, but it's likable, you know? Like, yeah. it's not debatably bad. It's it's okay. You know, like, it's, it's, it's good enough. I mean, from my perspective, they can love it if they want to, but from, I'm like, this is this will work, you know? Um, then I go into another fun song, and then I go into one where this is something I've kind of learned over the past two years is especially with solo music and having to do a lot of talking. Um, third song's a great song to do your chat up before going into it. Now that's where you play your slow song. Cause if you do a nice calm introduction into your slow song, people will actually stop and listen to it. That's it. That's something I've learned rather than you kind of, you know, playing to a talking audience mm. sort of thing. Um, after that, go into another go into another sad song without any kind of announcement, um, and then for the last, the next three songs, I think I'm up to that'll be about the next seven. Just do the fast hits, kind of in a row. Let's say I'm just trying to think about a ten song set list. Um, now the next part depends whether I'm acoustic or playing with my band. Um, UK, I'll be acoustic, but yeah. Um, let's say acoustic, I'll play this song, um, I'll play Criticise the Poor, let that kind of ring out, and then go into my, probably, the song that's going to be the top single when the album's released. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's actually, there's actually a live video of it um, called Hey Noel. That, that's, that seems, around Sydney circles, so people have heard it before, that's kind of my top one. And I'll make that... <laughs> I'll make everyone cry, cry when the show's finished. That's what the kind of guy is. <laughs> and then, yeah. then, then with the full punk rock, punk rock band stuff, I'll play, like, it'll be very strange for me to go into kind of um, Hey Noel and the kind of sad song. So I'll play that out of the blue. And then we criticise the poor at the end. I'll often throw the guitar on the ground or something like that. Nice. Quite a bit extra with that as the ending, you know. Because it'd be pretty yeah. weird nice and soft and sad with the full band electric punk rock show but yeah yeah you gotta leave uh, leave them with uh, impressions that i've uh, yeah uh, a big show like uh you know chucking the guitar down or making them cry as you say for the acoustic show yeah. <laughs> well, e yeah. either way you're leaving them uh with, with something which is fantastic yeah. and yeah not, again I, I love to, to hear i talk about how they formulate their set this because as a fan watching you know I, I can often tell the artists that have put effort into you know what they're playing where yeah, of course. I think I have it just here. My plan for the UK. You want to have a quick look there? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I have followed that formula. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Excellent, yeah. excellent. Um, so obviously you're going to be coming across to the UK and playing some of our vital, vital grassroots music venues, um, which are making a big song and dance about at the minute. Because in the UK, in about a week's time, we've got uh, Independent Venue Week. So you know, all the artists I've been speaking to for the last kind of two months, I've I've been asking them to put a spotlight, you know, and give a shout out to to one of their favourite. Uh, local venues and of course it's not just the uk that have these venues that are vital to the ecosystem of of, of you know grassroots music and uh obviously australia will do as well so you know i want to offer you the same opportunity to you know throw, throw a spotlight on on a, on a venue or two um that you think do great great work um let's say it just closed down but for oh it just closed down but it was amazing for international bands and walking crowd there was frankie's pizza which was like every tourist would every tourist would come in and go there um for um otherwise um for acoustic venues the midnight special in sydney is my absolute favorite the staff everyone they're super lovely um they're so generous to me like for letting me play there a few times and so on and so forth. And it's always just a great show. And you could be playing, they often just do like folky Wednesday nights and stuff like that. Um, there's also Lazy Bones Lounge in Sydney, which is like almost a jazz bar, but they have their monthly folk punk night, which is just fantastic as well. Um, in Melbourne, let's say where I'd go in Melbourne, the last chance in Melbourne, I'll give them, they're, they're also a super generous group of people and some of the sickest venue managers I've ever met. From when I was playing in my punk rock band to doing um, to doing the front bar evening Saturday show solo. Like, they are some of the sickest people I've ever met. I've ever met. Um, with the UK, I'll give one shout out. Um, 45 Cafe in York. They've oh, been yeah. just legends and same with the fighting cox cafe in kingston those two have been like super over emails i can tell that they're the best the sickest people yeah oh excellent excellent and, and it is the people behind these venues that are ever so important because you know i, I imagine it's similar in, the, in australia but of course in, in the uk you know uh, cost of living crisis etc etc music industry is tough yeah. as it is you know these people aren't necessarily um, you know, booking these shows and running these venues to make a profit, not in 2023, they're um, not anyway, they're doing it for um, love of the music, which is so important. Um, yeah. yeah, well, obviously, thank you so much for joining me, Ed, for, for the chat. It has been absolutely fantastic. And I, for one, will certainly be trying to pop along to a show when you're over uh, in yeah. April. Um, and awesome. obviously, listeners need to make sure they do that as well. Um, what would be your last message for, for those people listening today? Um, I can't wait to meet you in the UK yeah yeah and that is i think the most important message here definitely uh, and we can't wait to, to meet you either um so yeah listeners again uh ed barnes au across social media keep in touch um find a show if you can obviously check out the album in september um and yeah ed um, hopefully we'll, we'll be hearing a lot more uh of your name in the future awesome thank you so much paul Oh, thank you everyone for listening. I really do hope you enjoyed that chat there with Ed Barnes. Make sure you check out his single, Criticise the Poor, over on our Discover New Music playlist on Spotify. And of course, follow Ed on social media. You can also follow Full Pelt on social media. We are on Facebook at Full Pelt and on Twitter and Instagram at Full Pelt Music. And finally, if you would, please do hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, wherever you're watching or listening, because we'll be back very soon for another episode 
of the Discover New Music podcast.